0: You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. There used to be cart and buggies. And so the reason that they say that is the, the, the horse will pull the cart. The cart can't pull the horse. In other words, there has to be first things first. And I, I was thinking about that, and, and uh, it kind of speaks to us that there's, there's some things that require the understanding that there, some things have to go before other things. If you're a basketball player, you understand that Before you can get two points or even one point for a free throw, you have to put the ball through the hoop. First things first. If you get a flat tire, anyone ever got a flat tire? And you have to change it. Well, before you go on YouTube to see how you change it, you'll find out you have to jack up the car so that you can remove the tire. You have to do first things first. And if you cook, how many of you like to grill? It's summertime and in the evening. We love to grill a steak. How many of you know that you have to fire up the grill before you put the meat on there? And then the, 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 what happens after that determines if you're a master chef or if you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> right? And so the reality here is that you have, to, you have to know what you're doing. There are first things first. So when we look at life And we look at it from God's perspective. We have to find out that God laid out things first things first. And we will never understand the rest of the Bible if we don't grab a hold of Genesis. Chapters 1 through 3. We're facing things in our society that are attacking us that are going right at the very creation of God. And how we were created male and female and how how marriage is supposed to be instituted and all these different things that are going on. And without without us having a proper understanding of first things first, we'll never be able to look at things through God's perspective. Amen? In other words, our knowledge and our view of the book of Genesis will greatly affect our understanding of the rest of the Bible. You won't understand that you need to be saved until you find out that there was a fall of man. You won't understand that there is another entity in our world, in our sphere, that's trying to destroy our lives, and his name is Satan. And he entered a perfect world, and he brought deception into these perfect people, Adam and Eve. And so we need to grab a hold of that. So let me pray, and we're going to go. i I got four points that I want to bring to you that will maybe give you a a, a greater understanding of what we're talking about. We need to lay a foundation first things first. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this second service. But more than anything, thank you for you being here. I ask, Lord, as I um, uh, teach this message that I've prepared, that you will just... Give me uh, your power, your clarity, uh, your understanding, Father, that it will be understood by the listener, and, Father, that it will be an empowerment for the listener, and that each of us, everyone in here, that we will be able to say at the end of the, the message, it's been good to be in God's house because God spoke to us through his word. It's not about the messenger, it's about the message, and it's about the, the, the one who, who brought this to us, which is God himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. So four points. Point number one. I think we better start out with a foundation. Point number one is simply first things first. Genesis 1, 1. The Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, you need to grab a hold of something. God speaks to us so that we can understand God never had a beginning. God always was, he is, and he'll always be. If you wrap your mind around that, it'll, it'll, it'll blow a circuit. But he speaks to us through his word so that we can comprehend it. He speaks to his people. Every time there's a beginning, there's always an end. And some of you are saying, yes, pastor, we had the beginning of the service. Don't take too long to end it right no every time there's a beginning there's an end and God begins to in his in his this great uh uh, book he begins to give us that understanding in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth this means that everything everything has a master designer everything has an originator The early church fathers, they understood the enormity of this verse, so they declared in the Nicene Creed, they said this declaration, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen, and so these early church fathers, these early believers in Jesus, they, 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 they put this down as a declaration that, that they believe in God Almighty. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He's the creator of the things that we can see, and he's the creator of the things that we haven't seen. So when this satellite goes up in the sky, and it finds some amazing galaxy, and it comes back, and they say, did you know this was there? And God, yes, God knew it was there. He made it. Every angelic being, every heavenly host, as well as every galaxy and the stars and the nebula, everything that we see with our open eyes and the things that require a telescope or a satellite, even the things that are hidden to our eyes, God made it. Everything that moves, everything that doesn't move on the earth, every microorganism has a creator. So we ask ourselves, what is the most important revelation in Genesis 1? I ask myself that question. What is the most important revelation? Can I tell you it's not the extravagant details of creation? And they're going to be laid out in the text that's, that's coming. We're going to see how God laid out the creation. It's not the description of man. And man was made in the image of God. We are God's prized creation. That's not the greatest revelation in, in Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. The greatest revelation in Genesis chapter 1. Is that there is a God. And until... A person settles this in their life and in their heart. There is a God-shaped hole in every one of our souls. There's a great thinker. He was an inventor. He was one of the greatest mathematicians to ever live on the earth. His name was Blaise Pascal. And Blaise Pascal said this, There is a God-shaped vacuum In the heart of every man, which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the creator. And it's made known through Jesus Christ. It speaks volumes to me because there's a black hole. Has anyone heard about the black hole? And when people, when things enter into that black hole, they get lost. Amen? There's a black hole in our soul. And people try to fill that that hole. Young people, maybe a young girl, you try to fill it with guys. Maybe a young boy, you try to fill it with girls. You try to fill it with material things. You try to fill it with stuff. And each one of them just leaves you empty. The reality is that we'll never fill that God-shaped void and vacuum until we find Jesus Christ. So this week, um, Friday in fact, we had an epic event happened, and we had a family that came, and I had been meeting with the, with the mother-in-law and the, the daughter-in-law for about a couple weeks, about several months back, and the, the daughter-in-law had uh, come out of Satanism. She had been uh, violated as a, as a girl by her dad. She had been raped and repeatedly, and so she uh, didn't think anyone loved her, and so she turned to the occult and to Satanism. And she came and she uh, talked about she needed God, she needed something real because that was just dark and leaving her empty. And and so her mother-in-law was very uh, instrumental in bringing her to Christ. And and we sat and she re- she received Jesus and she began to fall in love with him. And she said, "I want to get baptized." And I said, "Well, tell me about your husband." Well, her husband um, uh, was in, had been in and out of Of of, uh, trouble. And he had had been in prison and different things. He was a gangbanger. He was a thug. And uh, I love thugs because I know that they can be a thug for Jesus. And so anyways, we said, let's just pray. And and so months went by and they got busy. They couldn't come to church. And so they wanted to get baptized. And Janet Walker uh, ran into them this week. And she said, uh, they were going to be moving to Mesa and they started talking and they said well just come by and, and, uh, and we'll do the baptism, we'll do it on a Friday or a Thursday, whatever day we'll fill up the water, it doesn't matter when, we'll, we'll, we'll get you there and, and so they ended up coming on Friday and I thought it was going to be the mother-in-law and the, and the daughter-in-law, it was going to be Anna and Leticia and uh, it ended up being uh, Leticia and her husband Juan and Juan wanted to receive Jesus as his savior and so he came in, and, and and Anna came as well, and so uh, they came in, and, but they not, not only that but they brought their grandson, little um, Nathan, and they wanted to dedicate him to the Lord, so he wanted to receive christ, he wanted to dedicate his grandson to the Lord, and so his daughter came as well. So we had four generations that were here. One was receiving Christ for the first time, the thug, the uh, egg thug life, came out, coming out of prison. Now he said, I, I, I want to change my life. I need Jesus Christ. And he, I know he can change me. And I said, that's right, bro. And So he received Christ. The grandson got dedicated. Um, uh, we baptized all three of them. So one from the domain of darkness, Satan had a hold of her, and now she's walking for Jesus. Yeah. We broke those, I believe, broke those generational curses that in little, that little child. And then, get, and then we had communion together. And then we recorded it so you could see it. So I want for us to cue this up because I think it may, it may touch your heart that God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than the devil. And he's still in the restoration business. Amen? Let there be light. That means everything to them. And Anna's here. Anna, stand up so we can give, a, give you a big hand for what God did in your family. That's incredible. Anna Chiveria. Beautiful. She's been praying for the family, and God brought it all together. So check this out. So for, for them, it, mean, it means everything because they found out that God is real, and he created a new start, a new life in Juan who used to gangbang, and now he's going to be a thug for Jesus. Amen? It, it, it developed a new life for Leticia, who, 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 who was raped, violated by her father. But she found out that her true father in heaven will never violate her. He'll never hurt her. And she found true peace in Jesus Christ. And she walked away from Satanism and all these pendulums and all these different things that she had. And now she's walking in the true light of Jesus Christ. And little Nate was dedicated into the service of God, into a new beginning, a new start. And that, that curse, I believe, has been broken through the blood of Jesus. Christ, and that means everything to them. But it won't mean anything to you if you don't have Jesus as your Savior. There will be that hole in your soul, that vacuum that you're trying to fill with different things that will never feel. The emptiness that the world brings and the devil, who's the God of this world, that's trying to destroy people's life. God wants you to be saved. Amen. Amen. And Genesis 1-1, it answers so many questions that plague every single one of us as we're growing up. In fact, I think that every one of these items that I list, you have been affected or impacted, or you know someone that is impacted. For example, Genesis 1-1 is the answer to atheism, the belief in no God. Genesis 1-1 is the answer to polytheism, the belief that there's many gods. Genesis 1-1 is the answer to animism, the worship of spirits, Genesis 1-1 is the answer to materialism. Only matter is real. Whatever you can see, feel, or touch, that's what I'm going to believe in. Genesis 1-1 is the answer to dualism, that there's two divine powers, one good and one evil, and they're equal forces competing against each other, and you don't know who's going to win. Genesis 1-1 is the answer to pantheism. God is in everything, and everything is God. And so because of that, I can worship this microphone. Oh, microphone, the God of music. Wrong. Genesis 1-1 is the answer to evolution. Evolution speaks to us about blind chance, that everything evolved from a big bang. You see, Genesis 1-1 gives us the answer, there is a God. He is one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that exist in one entity. And in Genesis, we see the reality laid out, and it's fully explained in the New Testament through Christ. Jesus said, if you have seen me, Philip, you have seen the Father. And we begin to understand. That God is triune. You don't have to worship the spirits because they are all created by God. And every spirit, every angel, every demon will bow down to God. In fact, when Jesus came to the earth, people might not have known who he was. But every demon that went into his presence knew that he was the Lord of creation. And they said, Jesus, son of David, why have you come to torture us before our time? We don't worship the spirit, the spirits. We worship through the Holy Spirit. And we worship Jesus to the glory of the Father. Genesis 1-1 helps us. Genesis 1-1 says there is more to life than the physical, material things. When you, what you see, what you feel, what you touch. There is a spiritual dimension as well. In fact, God is spirit. And those who worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. God is good, and God is always good, and he has the ability and the power to turn bad things into God results. Joseph, as he goes before his brothers after they had abandoned him, he said, what what you meant for evil, God has turned it around for good what the devil has meant for evil to destroy our lives, God will turn it around for good because he is a good God and he's a good God all of the time. Amen. Genesis 1-1 teaches us that very thing. God is not everything and everything has a creator. The Bible tells us that the creation groans for the time, that the, for the time of the restoration And reconciliation and perfection. The the creation is waiting for Jesus to split that eastern sky. So that they can be restored to the beauty of what they're supposed to be. Amen. And our world is not the result of a big bang. It's not blind chance. There is a great designer. A master craftsman. Who has fearfully and wonderfully made each one of you. And he has created this amazing amazing universe this cosmos it's not by accident it's not by chance he knew what he was doing and he knows what he is doing right now in our life amen in the beginning God explains that beyond the universe is an eternal uncreated being who is superior to his creation And though he transcends our human abilities and understanding, he is a personal God who has always desired a personal relationship with man and women. And the Apostle Paul testifies to this truth as he preached in Athens. He said, in him we live and move and have our being. And when this revelation is settled In our hearts, as truth, we begin to comprehend everything around us. In fact, when this truth is not settled in us, we're all over the place. Is there anyone in here that you're all over the place? Because you haven't settled the reality that God is real. And that everything that exists is because God is real. And God is so much bigger than us. He's so much bigger than anything that we could ever do. He's so much bigger than anything we can comprehend. But yet, though he is transcendent and sees way beyond what we we could ever see, he wants to come into your space. And he wants to meet you right where you're at. If you're a scholar, he'll meet you intellectually. If you're not a scholar, he'll meet you right where you're at. Because he is the God of the universe. Point number two, he is God of creation. The Hebrew word for God in Genesis 1-1 is Elohim, which actually means God the creator and the judge of the universe. So he's the God who creates and he's the judge. He's over everything. And the interesting thing about this word Elohim is it's a plural word, but it takes on a singular verb when it's referring to God, especially the God of Israel which makes a lot of sense to me because when you think about Elohim, there's so much, there's so much to God. His, the plurality is that he's majestic, he's powerful, he's got all of these attributes. He can do way beyond what we could limit. And it also makes a lot of sense to me because as we grow in him, we begin to understand that God is one, but yet he's revealed to us as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. One God. He has the ability to create something out of nothing. And everything that is made is for the glory of Christ. Let's look at John 1, verses 1 through 4, and compare it to Genesis 1. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John 1, verses 1 through 4 says, in the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He. Now now the word is a he. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Isn't it interesting? We're not even going to get past Genesis 1-1. But when we do, you're going to see that when 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 the Spirit of God hoovers over the earth and all of the, 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 the things that the chaotic earth and all the things that are in, are uninhabited, that the, the, the Bible says that God said, let there be light, and there was light. In other words, God spoke because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was and is and always will be Jesus Christ. It helps us to grab a hold of how big this is, how huge it is. It teaches me that God, through Christ, is able to create out of nothing something wonderful and glorious. I can, say that to, I can say this with all honesty because God, when he got a hold of me, I was nothing. I was lost. And when he found me, he created something new. He created what I could never create on my own. And can I tell you something, beloved? He can do the same in you if you let him. How many of you like David Crowder? I just love the way that he, the beard, Crowder, you know. He wrote a song called God of Creation, and I want to quote it. It says, it goes like this. It's the way your stars shine sometimes so bright. I swear I could hear. And it's the way your moonlight falls on your mountain lake so clear. And it's the way your sunshine paints your evening sky. And it's the way your rain falls to sing me to sleep at night. And I fall into you, God of creation. Take my breath away, God of the heavens, in this very space. It's the way that you lead me, the way that we walk by your water still. It's the way you hold me, the way you felt all that I feel. Grab a hold of that, beloved. It's the way that you hold me, the way that you felt all that I feel. And it's the way that you touch me, the way you know when it's needed most. And it's the way you form your words on my my heart while I rest in you, God of creation. Take my breath away, God of the heavens, in this very space. You see, there's something about God's creation that can take our breath away. To gaze at the stars and the heavens, to see the effects of the wind. And yet, when we grasp that this God can take an empty life, void of purpose, and create in us something beautiful, He makes beautiful things. He makes beautiful things out of the dust. And he makes beautiful things. He makes beautiful things out of us. And he breathes life into our souls. And he changes our direction. And he gives us purpose. And he gives us life. And if you don't believe this, Look at the heavens tonight and see what an amazing God there is in this universe. The Bible tells us that we are God's masterpiece and he has created us created us anew in Christ Jesus. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. This is such a powerful, powerful declaration, a powerful verse. The Bible says that we are his masterpiece because God comes into our lives and he creates something different. You were lost. You were going a different way. You were walking away from God, but you repented and you turned and you came back to God through Jesus Christ and he made a masterpiece. He's creating something. He, just like he created the heavens and the earth, just like the galaxies, just like the magnificent, magnificent earth. You, he's creating you and you and he's making you something that you could never be on your own. Because he loves you so very much. He's still in the creation business. Point number three, he is God of power. His power and authority are revealed in his creative acts. The celestial heavens declare his power. There are, I don't know if you know this, but I just want you to grab a hold of this fact. There are over a billion stars in our galaxy alone, I was sitting in my office. I was putting this this sermon together, and as I sat in my chair and I, my my space, my my workspace is a place where I I. I God comes there. He's everywhere with me, but sometimes I'm in the Word and I'm putting things together. And I sat there and I went to this site, Answers in Genesis, and I was reading through AIG and, and some of the factual things because they do some wonderful work on scientific facts and how creation comes with that, you know, and they bring the creation account. And I was reading and they, they talked about our galaxy alone and it has 40 billion stars. Just our galaxy. And I was reflecting on that, and and it and it drove my emotions. I I just started thinking, and the Bible says, the Bible says that he knows, he's named every star. And I began to ponder that, and 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 it and it was just stirring on my heart, and it was so big, and the presence of the Holy Spirit, He was there, and He was just telling me, if I know the name of every star. Don't you know that I care so deeply about you? He knows every hair on our head. And I would love for him to stop my hair from turning white. (laughs) But he said, go to Walmart and get blending stuff. (laughs) But the Bible says this it says, He counts the stars. And he calls them all by name. And he says, how great is our Lord. His power is absolute and his understanding is beyond comprehension. So when he speaks to us, to us, when he speaks to us through Genesis and he says, in the beginning God created. Can can I tell you something? He's speaking to us in a language that we can understand. Because if he was to speak to us in his language... That he understands? Lord, I don't understand. Job, Job went before God and said, God, why? And God said, were you there when I did this? Can you tame the Leviathan? Can you tell the stars when to come up? Can you tell the sun when to go down? This God is so unbelievable. He's so beyond us. And yet we limit him with these puny little earthly things. And that's okay. Because he understands that we're puny little people. Because think about the stars. Think about the sun. I'll be talking about the sun and the moon and and, and just some facts as we go into this series and talk about different facts. It will blow you away. The Bible says that ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and they've seen the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities his eternal power, and his divine nature. So no one will ever have an excuse for not knowing God. When God speaks, it becomes a reality. There's power in his word, and his word is power. When he speaks into your life, if he could speak to the sun and say, Son, shine bright! And that sun has not stopped shining bright. Say, yes, sir, God. And told the moon, moon, shine dim. But I want to be like the sun. Please. Shine, how I tell you to shine. If he can do that and he can speak righteousness into your life through Jesus Christ, who can call you unrighteous if Jesus imputes righteousness on you? If Jesus called you to be forgiven, who can speak that you're not forgiven? So you see, Genesis 1-1 will speak into every aspect of our life. God created the heavens and the earth out of nothing. It's like that biochemist that came to the Lord. And he said, Lord, we can, we can mutate people. We can, we can, we, we, we can do clones. We can create a man just like you. You've probably heard it before. And the Lord said, okay, let's let's, let's do this. Let's do it. So the Lord makes sand, makes dirt, forms a man, breathes life into him. Biochemist says, can I have some of your sand? Make your own, right? But I thought about that, right? I thought about even how bigger how big you can make a clay, you can make a clay thing. But only God can breathe life. Amen. And if God breathes his life into you, you will never, ever, ever be the same. Point number four is I begin to close. He is God of majesty. As I sat and put this message together and meditated on the Creator and the Scriptures, I said this: I had an overwhelming sense of awe, and I really believe that Jack Hayford, Pastor Jack Hayford, wrote a song, and he—it's—it's he, a, it's a declaration, it's an anthem, and he called it Majesty. And I really believe that when Jack Hayford, when he sat to write this song, just like anyone that's inspired of God, when God moves on your heart, that there's a sense of awe, and he started thinking about this majestic God, this God that is is worthy of, of adoration, he's worthy of praise, he's worthy to be glorified, he's worthy to be hailed as king. And Jack Hayford began to pen something down, and he said, Majesty, worship his majesty. Unto Jesus be all glory and honor and praise. And he said, what do I say, Lord? What do I say next? And he said, majesty, kingdom authority. Flows from his throne Unto his own His anthem raise And he thought, what, sh- what should I write next? And he started thinking about this majestic God And he got back I believe, and believing He started writing and he said, So exalt, lift up on high The name of Jesus magnify come glorify Christ Jesus the king He sat back and he said wow Lord I, I, I there's only one thing I can follow that with and he said majesty worship his majesty Jesus who died Now glorify his, help me, name above all name, I believe. Say it. King above all kings. You see, God is amazing. He's majestic. We've got some pretty high officials in our world. But they're all going to bow to Jesus Christ. And this Jesus became a servant to mankind. The same one who spoke the world into existence. The same one that came and he died on a cross so that you could have eternal life so that you could have forgiveness and more than that so that you could have an abundant life even through our difficulties even whatever challenges we face God will give you an abundant life Moses had just crossed the Red Sea with he brought everyone he he had had that staff and he said split sea Miracles had happened in Egypt, and he brought the Israelites through this Red Sea, through this opening, and he sat down just like Jack Hayford, and he was just magnified by the majesty of God because he's just a person, amen? And the Holy Spirit stirred him, and he, and he wrote in Exodus, chapter 15 and he said in verse 11, he said, who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you? You're majestic in holiness and you're awesome in praises and you're working wonders. Can I tell you something, beloved? You were not intended to be on the throne of your life. I don't belong on the throne of my life. That is reserved for his majesty, God himself. God has the power to create. King David in in, in his worst time, in his time of failure, and King David is esteemed highly, but King David in his worst time, Psalm 51, he said, Create in me, O Lord, a clean heart. Because he knew that God could breathe his forgiveness on him and renew a right spirit in him. See, that's a God of the universe. He belongs on the throne of your life. He's got the wisdom to sustain your life. You're trying to figure things out. Lord, what do I do? I've been around people. I don't know what to do. I don't know what my next step is. You don't know. Of course you don't. But God will give you wisdom. And he is the majesty that should be reigning supreme. In other words, there's someone in here, there's someone in here, you need to hear this. God needs to be elevated and you need to be humbled. Because when you're humbled, he gives grace to you. And if you're prideful, He allows for you to trip yourself up. God wants to change your life. He wants to create in you something that you could never do on your own. That's why He brought you to hear this message. It wasn't to hear Pastor James, per se. It was to hear him. It's for you to grab a hold of a changed life, of a, of a new start, of power that you, you, you can't muster in your own strength so that you can overcome that problem that you have. And we all bow our heads and just go to the Lord. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.